I yep no, you got it. I'll I'll you be Jack Spratt. I'll be the wife. And together we'll leave the platter clean. I don't know what Jake is in this analogy. He's just the sourpuss in the background. He I guess he like cleans the plate. Hello, Internet, and welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the Creatively Titled Podcast brought to you by us over at A to Z Horror.com and by the Phantom Podcast Network. If you still haven't yet, then do it, finally. Go down to downrightcreepy.com slash phantom. Do it. Listen to a lot of the other awesome shows that are on the network. For instance, you might listen to Death, Dying, and Other Things, which is an original content storytelling podcast. Um, I think it's monthly, if I'm not mistaken. He uh, just Thursday, does. every month. Yeah, legit fucking awesome, terrifying stories. All of them are wholly original content produced by him. It's it's a great show. That is just one of many great shows the network has to offer. Until then, though, you're stuck with us. Uh, I'm Jack, and sitting to my right is Jake. And welcome to Primetime, bitch. <laughs> and sitting next to Jake is someone else who, in his dreams, is beautiful and bad. It's Mark. <laughs> That's right, Jack. In my dreams, I'm a wizard master. That's a different person. <laughs> It is an absolute. I know, but I was gonna this. say that in my dreams I was beautiful and bad. I was banking on <laughs> I was banking on Jack going on with the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. I was gonna do that. I didn't want to be too on the nose with it. Yeah. Well, I went plus I thought that might hurt nose. you because it's literally true. He doesn't want to hurt your feelings, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what we're here sensitive. to do. Yeah. I don't. Uh, well, <clears throat> I, I'm, I hope you're happy with that. It was a clunky intro. We broke. Well, that's about par for the course. It wouldn't be an intro without a botch job, Mark. Hey, yeah. we haven't done one of those in a while. For those of you unfamiliar with our Crackerjack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. This week, we watched 1987's A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. And we'll get into that soon, which will be a lot of fun. But first, we've got to do the getting drunk part. So on that score, let's do beers for fears. And I'm going to throw it over to myself for what are my beers for these fears, because I've got almost nothing. Clutch. Um, <laughs> it's It's been a brutal week for me i've I've worked at least 10 hours a day every day since we last recorded um I'm many days it. more than that so i've got sessions because they're in the fridge from last time uh and so i'm, I'm drinking sessions Way you know why i in. think you know why i think you did that jack it's because what? there's what? a lot of like psychology jam sessions in this movie you know they like get everybody together it's like a group session absolutely that's that's exactly why I did it. Thank you, Mark, for the assist. I appreciate it. How about you? What are your beers for these fears? So mine is definitely a... Uh, <clears throat> I think I'm the first person on the podcast to do this, uh, so I'm going to go with a Delirium Nocturnum. It's uh, nice. one of those ones in the ceramic bottle. I think this is ceramic, or it's just colored glass. I don't know. It has an elephant on it. <laughs> it's a legit beer and a legit choice. I buy it. I've done that one, Mark. I know. I was doing this specifically because the last time we did, when we did a Nightmare on Elm Street originally, you drank this. So okay. I'm just blatantly stealing your idea. Great. You just said you weren't sure if anyone else had ever done this before. Yeah, that well, was you really we bad forgot? sarcasm. Yeah. Jake, what <laughs> were, are you drinking? Were, was it sarcasm or were you hoping we forgot? Both? <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. Jake, fix the situation. What I, are I can't because speakers? I mailed it in this week. No, I didn't. Never mind. There's a great tie-in. See, I'm drinking oh, a Switchback good. Ale. It's an unfiltered amber ale from up in Vermont. It's an a stubby. You guys can see. Like like mine. But the we listener can't. Stubbies. Cheers, Jack. 
Um, and I'm doing it because after Nightmare 1, they did the Nightmare 2 thing, and then they had to switch back to Nancy's and character. And get Wes Craven back on board. I like it. I'm in. Switch well, back to Nancy's character. I think Jack won. Hmm. Which is as good a segue as any into what's been rocking our horror worlds. I will again go first because I again have nothing. Um, I've, I've had. I, you guys are frankly lucky that Stop I, I had time to watch story. this movie. So I, uh, I I got nothing. Nothing else has been rocking my horror world. Mark? <laughs> Sweet. A great, I'm a good host. Great service it's here. Fun. It's fun. Uh, <clears throat> so I got a few things. Uh, the first of which is that this week is E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, down in, I think it's still in L.A. Um, not a ton of stuff coming out of that, but there is a little bit of new news about horror video games, uh, if that's your thing. A couple new ones, a couple announcements, a couple uh, older IPs that are getting sequels. Uh, so namely among them, I think probably the most notable is that uh, The Evil Within 2 was announced. Um, is that the most noticeable? Notable? Whatever the word is. I don't know. I guess it depends on how you look at it. Okay. If, so I would say, like, there is a few games that are zombie-based, and I don't really know. It depends on where you think that falls on the horror spectrum. So there's also a game called Days Gone, which is, uh, like, an open world, almost like a almost like a Last of Us game, it seems like, uh, that just has zombies and stuff floating but around. With so like, if you count that horror, that's probably arguably bigger. But, but that like wasn't like, World War Z zombies? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, uh, we already knew that one was out there though. They they premiered that I think at last year's E3. Um, <laughs> the uh, there's some new stuff out for the Call of Cthulhu game, uh, which is looking increasingly cooler and cooler every time I see it. Mm. Like um, legitimately, what do you mean? <laughs> it does it actually look cool? I think it. Well, no, he's just yeah, it looks cool. Like Reddit track. say things looks cool. I think it looks. I think it looks good as a horror game. Uh, my guess is it's going to be. A horror game that uses Cthulhu, not really a horror game that like is that relies on Cthulhu, right? Sure. Like it just sort of as is a as a fallback motif, but it's not something that organically relies upon the lore. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, a few other games. There's some the, the cool stuff that happening this year is VR related. It seems like <clears throat> I think VR is going to be a really interesting space for uh, horror games to be in, just because it's so much more immersive. Um, so there's this weird, I think it's called Transference. Um, it's a game that Ubisoft partnered with Elijah Wood. Uh, I don't really get it aside from the fact that it's supposed to, it, I don't know. It was a very strange reveal thing that happened. Just Google Transference, Elijah Wood, Ubisoft. I'm sure it'll come up. I like Elijah Wood is, is crazy. He doesn't give a shit what he's doing. He's doing just weird movies that he's producing, some horror games. That guy just does whatever the fuck he, he wants. He just loves yeah. horror, dude. And yeah, he's Flat an out. odd fellow. Yeah, uh, and then the, the last that, one, I'll, the, the I'll, remake of that Beastie Boys video. Oh, that is one of my favorite things ever made. <laughs> um, and then the last one I'll talk about is Inpatient, which is a PlayStation exclusive PSVR game uh, that is made by the same people and is apparently a prequel to uh, After Dawn, Before Dawn, whatever that game was called. Um, seems pretty interesting. You're like trapped in this mental hospital. The reveal trailer didn't really reveal too much, which I guess is kind of what it's supposed to do, but. I don't know. Pretty solid stuff coming out. Not a ton of titles, but if this is your bailiwick, then you probably you have some things to chomp on coming out of the show. All yeah. right. So that's uh, part one. <laughs> part two is that uh, I lost a bet. I think this was actually off air a few weeks ago. <laughs> uh, I watched the Dark Tapes. 
Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's available on Amazon, not Prime. You can, but you can rent it uh, for three bucks or four bucks. For those who have forgotten, why don't you hit us with a just a, as brief as you can rundown of what the movie's about? It's an anthology. Um, so, uh, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's an anthology. There is not really there. There is a frame narrative in that there is a story that they keep cutting back to that is completely unrelated to the other stories. So there's four things, or really four and a half things in total, because there's the first bit is called a wraparound, which is like the, the wraparound to the beginning of the movie, but whatever. That one doesn't really count. Uh, they're all essentially unrelated. One is about um, sleep nightmares, I guess. That's like the that's the horror movie du jour. Another one is about uh, cam girls being crazy. There's another one about... Uh, kind of a generic like ghost hunters show that goes to this place that these people just bought and are being haunted by their daughter, um, like their dead daughter. I should have clarified Thanks. that. And then another one about <laughs> they're being haunted by their living fourteen-year-old daughter. <laughs> She's that just sounds hasty. like parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> she shows up after a curfew. We don't know if she's a ghost. Um, and then the last one's about alien abductions and stuff. This was a notable movie, and I think, I'm pretty sure, Jake, you were the one who made me watch this. Um, yep. This was notable because the trailer was bursting at the seams with awards. Like, there were more shots of awards than there were of actual footage from the movie, it seemed like. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure I really agree with that. Overall, I would have called it watchable, but not really recommendable. I don't know. There, I could see why people would like it. I, I think anthologies in general score a little bit higher in the in the uh, like horror underground realm, and there is some decent found footage in there, so it got those people on board as well. How did you watch it? Amazon. Amazon. Oh, he said that. Did you say that? Yes. Unbelievable. I'm, I'm loopy today. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't want to give too much away because I do feel like some people are going to like this. Uh, Question decent amount. What. Which part was the part that had the Goosebumps mask? But that's a spoiler, isn't it? Not really. You already said what the different segments were. And it's right, in the trailer. Okay, well, it's the one about the nightmares, I guess. Great. Okay. There's a Goosebumps yeah. mask. It's yeah. in the fucking trailer. <laughs> goosebumps. It was stupid it looking. Yeah, and people are like, in most of the reviews, people are fucking gaga over that monster. And I didn't, I didn't really get why. Did you read the reviews before or after you read the you watched the movie? After. Fair enough. It's the right call. Professional. So Jack. actually part of it was I went back to our horror release roundup page. And listener, you can find our horror release roundup page at the start of every month when we post it on our website. And on downright nice, nice plug. Um but I went back and looked at our what we wrote up about it and we all just kind of talked about how too many there's too many awards for this thing to be that good. Um Yep. But we don't have the, a lot to say. The problem was the trailer. The, I had to link it to a new trailer because it was the old one had like gotten taken down or something like that. So that led me down a wormhole of finding the trailer and then going to the sites and looking at like Metacritic and whatever. So that's my story on that. Oh, Great. good. There was no there was no end to that story. You just just what happened to you? <laughs> Can we talk about what happened to me for one second? There you go. <laughs> that's all I got. Well done. Well Jake? talked about for one second. Jake, what's been rocking your horror world? I kind of wish that had been more of a traumatic experience for him. It sounds like it was just kind of meh. Although, that's the kind of movie that, if you think it's meh, it's probably really bad. 
<laughs> it was anthology found footage, so those two things are like right up my alley. So if I didn't like it that much, then yeah, you guys are probably. Was, was this the one with the the demon from another dimension that left a glow stick handprint on the woman's no. stomach? No, that was oh. something else. I can't remember what that was. Okay. That's something else he thought Fuck. looked great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did I watch this week? I watched Primal Screen. It's a new documentary on shutter it's a shutter exclusive um it's by the same guy that did the nightmare the sleep paralysis one and did room 237 the shining one that guy so that's interesting i liked room 237 the nightmare i thought was a cool concept i didn't love it yeah rodney asher (laughs) is the same i like i don't know what else to say about that like both of them i thought were relatively good i thought room 237 was a better executed documentary the nightmare didn't really go into as someone who's had sleep paralysis before it didn't do anything to describe or come to a conclusion about that syndrome or anything really it just kind of was like here's a story here's a story here's a story out like so that's kind of what i meant by I, i liked the idea of it i don't even necessarily need it to have come to a conclusion or or had a point of view if it had done the stories better or they had been more terrifying stories i I liked the idea of just dramatizing stories of people's night terrors i think that's pretty cool and and applying effects to them well jack it had done a better job if you like the idea of just dramatizing and putting something to screen about something then primal screen might be for you it's also (laughs) like 27 minutes long that's every wait what seriously? Yeah, this thing is like less than a half hour. I don't understand. I was like confused. I thought it might be, I don't know, a series at first, but I'm pretty sure I watched the whole thing. I'm pretty sure that's it. That's all it's ever gonna be. <laughs> so was, I could watch this movie like in lieu of the the nightly episode of Coach that I watch. Yep, you could do that. And so yeah, it's like the opposite of Sherlock. <laughs> exactly, Mark. What it's yep. about is. It's really weird. It's like I'm even trying to describe it as kind of weird. My understanding, and I've seen this, trust me, <laughs> is that this thing is about. Wasn't questioning whether or not you'd seen it until just now. I know, but it's yeah. so difficult to describe because of how it handles it. Um, I'm not going to recommend this, by the way. So what this is actually about is how items in pop culture, when we are young, can create and color our fears however irrational those might be and those are lasting fears and it does this exclusively through the concept of the fear of dummies and more specifically ventriloquist dummies and it focuses in on the trailer for the movie uh magic okay and that's what it does and it's 27 minutes long and I That's... I think it's a good concept, but I would have liked to have seen more depth, like a lot more depth, perhaps more than one fear or maybe more of a description as to perhaps more than 27 minutes long. as to like the lasting psychological effects of something like that. Whereas a lot of these people Psycho- who like yeah. described what that was like and they're reminiscing about it. But to me, there was no punchline, really. Sure, and I'm, I'm sure you're making valid points and worthwhile things. Um, I'm but, probably but not, I'd, actually. I'd, I'm not listening, because I'd like to revisit something that Mark said that I haven't been able to move off of. Oh my god. Mark, you said it's the exact opposite of Sherlock? <laughs> 
Yeah, so and that statement's got me confused. Okay. No, I feel like because that's as I understand it, Sherlock and and I've is a a four season uh, series from the BBC. Each series has each season has three or four episodes that are about an hour and a half long. Yeah. So how is a twenty seven minute movie the opposite of that? Well, because that's a TV show where every single episode is ninety minutes long, which is roughly the length of a movie. And in this case, this is a movie that is 27 minutes long, which is roughly the length of a TV show. Oh, God. Okay. I'm disappointed. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Bursting about, at the seams with logic. Whatever. It's about you being a kid, you having a brush with some horror, and the lasting repercussions of that. But to me, there's no, there's not enough depth. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Did the kid in this movie watch Dead Silence? There are multiple kids, and Dead Silence was not mentioned. Oh, and that would probably have cured their fear. Now, was it heavily implied? <laughs> no. If I'm going to replace my nightly episode of Coach with with this movie, uh, I'm going to need to know how much Craig T. Nelson is in this movie. Uh, no. I guess none. That's disappointing. All right, I'm off it. Okay, you're off it. Well, the second thing that I had was in preparation to watch this week's featured presentation, I watched A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, to help bridge that gap. And this that is a was movie a shame. I, I you shouldn't have done that. I, I don't know. It's not that bad. I actually kind of like that movie. But I've seen this thing described as being the uh, the top gun of horror movies. And I got to say, that's really apt <laughs> after watching it, like with having heard that in mind since the last time I saw it, which was several years ago. Like, are we talking its level of self-awareness and ridiculousness? We are talking, like, scholarly articles about the level of homosexuality in this movie. <laughs> I got you. The gay overtones are staggering. And I hadn't really seen it before, but wow. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie since I was a little kid, and I don't remember a, a particularly homoerotic something neither had i neither did i i've certainly read about that neither did i and i watched it this time and i was like oh yeah yep yep okay (laughs) that that was my experience this time uh i i do like it though it's they it's i mean it basically follows the family that moves into nancy's home after they have left and the son finds her journal and has his brush in with uh fucking freddy coming after him and all that and it's it's i don't know it's very 80s there are great practical effects some stop motion a really cool scene in particular where like freddy kills one of his buddies by like bursting out of his ch- i don't know it's really cool so it's a nightmare on elm street movie it how is. does that how does that deal with the canon then because i thought he was haunting these kids because their parents killed him if, if it's just some rando family that moves to elm street so they are Mark still Mark. like the elm street kids and the families are all like it must have been a huge mob basically gotcha they just moved down the street yeah gotcha okay (laughs) moving on up did these side did these people move to the east side is that what we're talking about Did they move to a deluxe apartment in the sky in the sky i watched nightmare on elm street too Jake, did you just watch the Jeffersons? Yeah. Feature presentation! A 
Over at ADZHorror.com this week, we watched 1987's A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. This was a jack pick. I picked this movie. Yeah, you did, Jack. This was my blind spot. Wow. I, Yeah. I picked it because, one, I think it is a blind spot. I've seen many of the other movies in the Nightmare on Elm Street series uh, multiple times. And because I can recall having lied about having watched this movie. Mm. So, this is one of those ones that I should have seen, and I have lied about having seen before, but now I've actually seen it, so it's all good. And item three, because it's triumphantly made a run to the finals of the Nightmare Junkheads. Absolutely. In the Mouth of March Madness competition. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it has a shot. All those things. All those reasons. Um, it's more like, yeah. a, like a Wichita State type shot, though. They, they made it really far. Good for them. Not going to take it. Really? <laughs> Butler would have been a good pick there, too. Jack, you know what this means, though. I Do I? It's your movie. Oh, shit. So 30 seconds are on the goddamn clock. Okay. It'll start when you start. All right. A girl dreams herself onto Elm Street. Uh, she gets attacked by Freddy. Uh, then she finds herself back in her home, but then she's in her bathroom and Freddy attacks her again, but she actually ends up slashing her wrist with a razor, so she gets committed to a mental institution where a whole bunch of other teenagers are committed uh, for similar things. They're all being attacked by Freddy. Turns out they're all the kids of the people who burned Freddy's house down. Um, there's some group hypnosis. Nancy is is like an intern or like a PhD candidate who's who's studying this shit. They learn from a nun that Freddy's mom was, was raped by... Wow. Really? Really. <clears throat> oh my god, I didn't even slow. get close to the end of the, with the fucking plot. Really? Well, you, you didn't need... It doesn't say 30, by the way. Oh, you, you had... Sorry, you had... I have 0.14 of a second left. I could have got okay. there. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really fun trying to see Jake subtract 29.86 from 30 in his head. It's been a long day. <laughs> I need beer. I'm not here to math. Wow. That was... Man, I feel like Mark. Well, no, you don't, because I'm pretty good hey, at this. You're pretty and bad at this. Uh, see last week. I feel about... like I feel like you actually did pretty well. Yeah, but I only got through the first... 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, but the last 70 minutes of the movie are just him killing everyone. That's true. So yeah, once they start group dreaming, there's just some killings, and then they bury his... He possesses his skeleton, his own skeleton, Ooh, yeah, that's in regrettable. Jason and the Argonaut style, and then they bury his bones, and he dies. Kind of. Except not. Kind yeah. of dies. Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. Also, this this movie, it, it's weirdly religious, where it hasn't necessarily... I guess it kind of was. I was surprised at how religious the first one was, too, when we watched the that. The first so. one was not religious whatsoever. The only religious... This this is what we were talking about in our in our cast on that episode. The only thing that is a reference to religion whatsoever is 5-6, grab your crucifix. Yeah, but th- this one is very religious. Pat, I'll give you. The first one he is He gets not. exploded by holy water for some fun... Why did they make this one so religious? Probably because they felt like they had been made fun of that there was a 5-6 grab your crucifix line and they had absolutely <laughs> no. nothing to do with religion in any of their movies. They went into the future, heard the A to Z horror cast about A Nightmare on Elm Street and corrected not, the air. It's not that religious. <laughs> it's, no. Every I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street movie is like him, so. the blank Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like One is like the real Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Two is the gay Nightmare on Elm Street movie. This one is the <laughs> Dawkin Nightmare on Elm Street movie. <laughs> Jake, you just watched the second one. How religious is that one? Not. 
Okay. So there they just did it, it for this one for some reason. Do you have anything to add to that? No, I was. That was kind of a question. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> they added yeah, some religious elements. It definitely had a period on the end of that sentence. <laughs> Not in my head. I'm happy though. about it, Jack. God damn it. Yeah. So you sort of finished the plot synopsis. Do you want to sort of tell us something that it fits the fuck into from a subgenre standpoint? Yes, even okay. though that sentence was a nightmare. It was a great sentence, Jack. Uh, on Elm Street. Oh, boo. Yeah. Uh, this is a supernatural movie. Cool. Bam. Done did it. <laughs> you nailed it. Broad category. <laughs> Mark, give us another subgenre of horror. This fits the fuck into. Slasher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Jake? Classic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, this one's a little bit out there. Uh, doll. No. There's one. This one not this only one has a, a a possessed marionette that then becomes Freddy, that who in turn turns a kid into a marionette with his tendons. No, that, that's really actually all it does. That, that is all it has. <laughs> that is literally all it has. Yeah, but that's enough. That's doll movie. No, There's so a it's doll, doll in a marionette. <laughs> Dolls comma one doll. <laughs> Dolls comma one marionette that's being. <laughs> Possessed by Freddy, nailed in, it. Yeah, in that's stop the motion. Right it's that subgenre. Yeah, you'll if you go to Blockbuster Video and you walk to that section of the shelf that says "Doll, comma one marionette that is possessed by Freddy." This is the this is the movie that's in that subgenre. It is a genre <laughs> subgenre defining movie in that way. It's it's right next to the beads that lead to the porno section bees? with the giant red VHS cases. Uh, does this count as ghost? Probably not. No. Well, it definitely doesn't fucking count as doll. <laughs> well, it was either, I was either going to pick doll or religious, so. It's still not religious. I'm not going to give you religious. It's so religious. No. No. It's not. The <laughs> nun it's... is the only thing driving the plot forward. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's how they learn what Freddy is. She's not it's the only nun. thing driving the plot forward. She adds. She's the, she is the vehicle for backstory on Freddy. She's also and a ghost how to beat nun, him. So if I don't get they ghost, don't you don't him. get none. They beat him. No, they don't. If they you think... don't look at any sequels, they beat him. But you already know that that's a false logic because of the fact that two movies happened before this. But this one's this. They never buried his bones in the first two. It doesn't matter. You know, it was supposed you to matter. Know. This one was supposed to be the end of it, according to Robert Engeland. No, if that were him. true, West then Raven why did the they guy. include him alive at the end of the movie? What? They show at the end of the movie that he's still out there. What are you talking about? Did you watch this movie? The very end of the movie, she's sleeping in her bed, she has the model of the house, and it lights up. Well, that and doesn't you hear mean anything. You can just have regular nightmares after Freddy. He would probably give you regular nightmares. Every nightmare movie has Freddy doing something at the end of it. Yeah. This one is yeah. the least vehicular. Yeah. Although they do have the car from the first movie in this movie. But they don't have the school bus from the second movie. So we disagree with me about religious. Yeah, right. there's not there's nothing else. Okay. Is this a but Ford I do think movie? it's religious though. It's weirdly religious. It's you not can't get past oh my it. God. There is a basic level of religion in it that the does dude not make steals a, a crucifix and movie. holy water from a church, lies to the priest about it, or 
pays the priest for it with his driver's license, and then that's called collateral, bud. Burns Freddy with it's not like a set of pool balls. What's the what are they called? Is that what they're called at at a bar? Billiards. Well, sure. I'll yes. It's not like a billiard set at a bar. You don't just leave your ID. It's I'm stealing things affixed to their fixtures of this chapel. You're a weird so guy. So there Jack. you have it. Those are the sob genres that this movie fits the fucking. <laughs> the sob genres. The sob genre. We're having more difficulty speaking than normal. This is great. Well, all right. We're off to a good start. This was my blind spot. What was your two's association with the Nightmare on Elm Street Three Dream Warriors? I also haven't seen this. This is the first time I've seen it. I don't know if I've seen really any of Nightmare on Elm Street other than the first one, actually. So I, I get, wow. I guess I get why you're calling it a blind spot, but ultimately, eh, I don't know. This is one of those like <laughs> campy horror movies that I guess you'll watch sometimes, but I, I, I wouldn't really consider this one the uh, the classic that you guys are making it out to be. All right, Jake. How about I you? have seen it a couple times. This. Is- Number this is number three. I'm thinking I can remember two other times. I might have seen it more than that, but I don't think so. <laughs> sure, it's the the third time you've seen number three. That's a good sure. That's some numerology right there. Well, that means I can never see it again. I guess it was meant to be. Yeah, and yeah. one of the other times was strictly for the docking. So where did you have this categorized in your head? Did you like it? What 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 was your deal with it? Um. My remembrance of the movie was that I liked it almost as much as the first one, but in a fashion of it's in a totally, fashion of difference. Yeah, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> Again, it's hard to talk. Um, it's vastly different from the first one. The first one has like this is a horror movie through and through trappings. And this one is just balls to the wall. Fun was the way I remembered it. Yeah. Um that's kind of where that experience ends and another one begins. Sure. With this sure. viewing. So <laughs> Um, I forget what the fuck we do next on the show. How do we uh start talking about the movie? Good lord. What what it did right. <laughs> no, I think I think we need to do something special for this one though. Because oh, like boy. I was just saying, this one is kind of balls to the wall fun and you remember it differently, or at least I remember it differently. The thing that this movie does that is so different is it's very character-driven and it has a cast of characters. They're the Dream Warriors. They're, I mean, it's the namesake of the movie. And it's basically this group of kids, all of which are being plagued by the nightmares of Freddy Krueger. They're the Elm Street children, the remaining Elm Street children. And the whole catch, the whole hook to this movie is that they each have this dream power. So I want to do this, I mean, a special sort of. thing. That's what it paints it as, though. I want to do this special <laughs> thing do for a great this job one. I want to run through each character and get our thoughts on them, okay? I love this, yes. Okay. Especially because of how bad we typically are with characters. Maybe this will help. Well, I'm not gonna this is how not going act, to ask you how they acted, Jack. Well, no, but we're also bad with names. It's going to be fine, okay? We're great at determining how good they okay. are at acting. The first, I'll, uh, I'll help you out. The first one in this movie is the lead for this one, and that's Patricia Arquette as Kristen. Okay. Now, she is the gymnastics one. <laughs> Her, she has, like, two dream powers. <laughs> so she, she becomes, like, very much a gymnast. And she can pull people into her dreams, which is like the whole thing that establishes the fact that these dream warriors can fight back because she has this 
ancient power of dream pulling. She's a dream puller. Right, right, right. She pulls Nancy into her dream, and that's what kind of starts the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's an evolutionary yeah. response to the evolutionary <laughs> pressure of Freddy Krueger killing off every other kid on the street. And they then in the fast. dream world, she is real good at like doing one of those run up the wall backflip maneuvers. A wall and a, flip. And a, a wall, yeah, also called a wall flip sometimes. I <laughs> yeah. think mine was the technical term for she it. She basically okay. turns into Cyril Raffaele. Like, she's just bouncing <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. Um, and uh, what else does she do? She does, like, a drop kick at one point. She's flipping around all over the fucking she flips place. Yeah, around suddenly she can jump, like, eight feet in the air. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind all of right. a lame dream power, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, it's better than some of them, though. Well, yeah, one of the other... Well, we'll get there. We'll get yeah, there. Yeah, okay. so, Jake, continue, continue our thing. Who's the second person? Well, Jack mentioned Nancy, Heather Langenkamp's character, getting pulled into Patricia's dream. We can't forget her, so I want to touch on her quickly. She comes back she... in. She's kind of like the hook to bring this back to the beginnings of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, but as far as I'm aware, her dream power is being annoying. Yeah, I think I think technically her superpower is telling her dad to take care of things. Yep. <laughs> We're going to get into her dad later, but that is one of the best scenes <laughs> Oh, oh, it's amazing. In the history of the film. In the bluesy, smoke-filled bar, just down in shots of vodka. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that's her dream power. That, yeah, what that's all she's got? got. Okay. We got Kincaid. The Kincaid, best character in the movie. Kincaid is, yeah, by far my favorite character in this movie. He's a, a street tough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or he is in the dreams, at least. He he dresses like Fat Albert, which is a little He strange. dresses like Fat Albert. In the real world, his superpower is just being a dick to people. That's but not a superpower. In, yeah. In dream world, uh, he is super strong. He can bend a chair. He can bend a chair, and he lifts two people. He just stone lifts two people with one arm. He, like, bicep curls two and people. And he can, like, punch through walls. But not yep. in like a cool way. And yeah, like he's a strong a man. Way. Yeah, he's a strong man. We got he's it. He's a 1920s strong man. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I want you to picture the 1920s strong man, not like the strong man of current day. Just the one right. that was like, you know, he'd lift like a hammer. Nah, he's, <laughs> come on, he's a little different than the one of the 20s. He is stronger than the person has any right to be. No, I the, just mean the, he the looks, di- I mean, he looks different. Yeah. In the way that he dresses like mustache. He doesn't have a mustache, Jack. What are you pulling that in for? (laughs) The 1920s were racist, man. Okay, moving on. We have Taryn. (laughs) Taryn. Which one is Taryn? Oh, she's beautiful. I I know. Taryn is the one who has no power except switchblades. Her dream (laughs) world power is she turns into a a, the Clash style punk and gets two switchblades. Yeah, she's the street tough. Not really. She just has knives. I think that's just part of her and like she's aura. Not even particularly good at using them. She almost hits Freddy with them one time. No, she hits him. She makes she contact. She stabs him in like the liver. In the liver. <laughs> Thanks, boss. But, but but yeah. Her uh her weakness though, her her power comes with a weakness, which is drugs. Her power of being a punk comes with a weakness of drugs. That's As it commonly just regular does. life. As it commonly does, so I'm not really sure how this was a dream power. What a shitty superpower. It's she was the worst. She gets, it, maybe it's the mohawk. It is a pretty legit mohawk. Maybe she didn't have access to that many egg whites in the real world. Yeah, well, and that could be another thing. Maybe her maybe her hair is like additional tensile strength or something. She could have stabbed Freddy with her hair. Yeah, like a, oh, Kung Lao? Did he do that? I don't what think are we he referencing that. I think he had here? a hat. 
Never mind. Move along. Kung, Kung Lao's in a few different things. I was talking about Mortal Kombat. Okay, we got I, Joey. I you were. Now Joey's power is Deus Ex Machina, as far as I'm aware. He he yells and saves the day right towards the end of the movie. He's like the chick from Space Cases. Uh, sure. Yeah. Sonic screaming. What is his fucking backstory? He can't talk. He has like a teardrop oh, tattoo. Is that it? So as far as I'm con- as far as I'm aware, he killed a man. Yeah, he's a Sicario. <laughs> <laughs> he's seen some things. He's seen some and things. He, yeah. And he doesn't speak. And he has to find his voice, but that's his dream power. But his weakness is tits. Well, Wait, what? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anyone's that was a pretty sexy nurse. That's many people's weakness. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. So he's pretty much the I black was flabbergasted from by Comics. him though. Like I don't understand his whole like he's a mute, but he has this like teardrop. What did this person do to become a mute? Like his teardrop, I killed a man thing. I just couldn't get past it. They, well, he just knows mute that people snitches can be get killers. Stitches, Jake, Jake, don't shoehorn mute people into boxes like that. Yeah, they don't appreciate it. This isn't the 1920s. Will was another character. Will I have almost no- oh Will Will oh, hold on Will was the uh, the the RPG guy the the, the, the fake D and D guy dragons magic guy? the wizard master and his yeah. power was he couldn't walk in the real world and he could and he got a cape in and world. and he could shoot fucking magic at people he actually had a power oh, didn't yeah, matter at right. all no it didn't Freddie <laughs> killed did him nothing. instantly. <laughs> <laughs> it was bullshit. Yeah, he he's a very powerful wizard, but unfortunately, Freddy Krueger's dream power is that he's immune to magic. But Freddy, Freddy Krueger picked him up and just like it was one of the lamest kills too, because he just picks him up and shoves his. There's knife no glove effects. Through it's his like, stomach. did they just have nothing, no time to do yeah, the rest of the scene after they blew up the wheelchair? Nothing. So it was just like he's gonna punch him in the chest. Well, Even the and the sad thing punk is, Clash Girl. Yeah, the sad the, thing the, is, the whole scene happens as they're standing directly next to the torture wheelchair. Like, why can't yeah. why can't we implement that in any way, in any type of You'd creative think. way? Yeah, it was disappointing. But not as disappointing it, it, as the two characters who didn't even make it to Dreamworld with powers. You have <laughs> Philip. <laughs> Philip, I have no memory of. That's good. You, again, didn't watch the movie. Philip, is, uh, well, his superpower is that he has extremely stretchy tendons. Oh, Philip was a marionette kid. So okay. I actually liked him, and I was supposed to. interested with how quickly they killed him off, because he was like the one that was kind of like smart-ass and actually seemed smart as to what was going on there and had opinions, and I liked him. He had the <laughs> mullet of a young, instantly. rowdy, Roddy Piper. Well. He was going places. Yeah. When you have a man-man, you're going to go places. <laughs> uh, I will argue, to some extent, his power in the real world is teleportation. Sure, I don't know how he got in that tower. <laughs> I don't know how he got in the tower either. They yeah. literally, like, all the other characters, you see stuff, like, he's just sleepwalking around. You, stuff is happening to people in the dreams, but in the real world, they're just sort of, like, rolling around. Except in this one instance, in the dream world, the door opens. In the real world, he just teleports to the other side of it, and they show it. Yeah. Sure. But also in the real what? world, sometimes Freddy is a god in the sky pulling his tendons, and he's moving in the real world. Well, that was just an overlap of the real world and the dream world. That I was see. for creative that, effect. 
I don't. By the way, that's my favorite scene in the movie. He is is the the start to finish. Freddy possessing the marionette, then cutting his own strings because, like Pinocchio, he's got no strings on him, and then making a marionette out of this kid. There are no strings on me. I yeah. will agree with you as long as you include the whole scene and not just the last part because the last part's retarded. Yeah, I don't. I don't love the last part, but I like. I love the whole scene. The last of the Dream Warriors, but the second of the two who don't get to use their dream powers is Jennifer. Oh, the one who wanted to be a TV star? Yeah, and she had, like, a thing for cigarettes and burning herself with them? Yeah. What? Yeah, that was weird. I mean, she made it to primetime. Bitch. <laughs> she made it to I have, primetime. like, almost nothing to say about her character. No. Yeah, no, they needed fodder. And I, I feel guess. like there's like and some resonance. There, I feel like there's some emotional resonance of the girl who just wants to go off and be famous. That's that's fine. I don't know. I thought it was a weird her whole. They needed to like round mix. out this ragtag crew of misfits. Mm, I don't know about that. I feel like they needed. Well, they needed to round it out with more fodder. Well, okay. <laughs> and then honorable mention to mo- person I would have most liked to have seen with a dream power in the dream world: Larry Fishburne as yep. Max. <laughs> yeah, don't call him Larry. He gets very mad if you call him Larry, but he's credited as Larry in he's this movie. He's credited as Larry Fishburne. I know, movie. it's amazing. <laughs> uh, well, that was a, a move fucking enthralling round, lightning round of the Dream Warriors. We got to talk about my favorite scene. That's great, Jack. How about we talk about what the movie did right? Uh, effects. You cannot talk about this movie without talking about the practical effects. I, they're... From what I saw, they're they're almost entirely from, practical. From what you where saw. the movie strays from practical effects is where at towards the end people are getting sucked into mirrors, and those are pretty poor digital effects. Uh, it, it suffers in that regard, but for the most part, all the effects are practical, and they're all fucking amazing. Everything from the the snake Freddy to the the marionette scene, just fucking all of them. I do think it's important to note that these early movies had a word in it that I don't even think you'll see anymore in Hollywood, but I am 90% confident that in the opening credits, there's someone who is the mechatronics consultant. Yes. I love it. (laughs) Yes. I have no idea what that means, nor do I think it exists anymore, but it sounds (laughs) badass. It certainly does. It certainly does. Or even like the weird stuff, like the eyes in her arm that show up after Freddy's needle fingers is, is, you know, Pretty good stuff. I thought that was... Honestly, I think that's one of the... That is probably the best effect in the movie. I really like that. There's like, some yeah. trip, trypanophobia going on there? Trypanophobia, tri- which is no, 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 no. Trypanophobia is needles. Tryptophobia is holes and tri- stuff. Tripophobia? No. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Trypophobia or something. Yeah, e- either way. The, the one that involves holes in skin is fake. Not a real yeah. thing that actually... It's not... Well, it kind of is, though, because it makes me feel really icky. <laughs> either way. Um, yeah, so you can't talk about this movie without talking about the effects. That's that's what it nails. What else does it do right? Jake. Well, I think I was going to kind of piggyback on effects and go more specific with my favorite effects were the two implementations of stop motion. The first being with the marionette as it jumps down, and the second with the, as you already mentioned, Jason and the Argonaut-style skeleton scene. Yeah. Like something straight it's... out of Harry House. And there's just something that's so infinitely charming about seeing stop motion. Like, it looks dated, but you don't give a damn. Right. It's like, I, I lump it into the same category as Jason and the Argonauts, even though I think it's exactly 20 years later. 
it's a I I don't yeah I mean it's at least that much later I would think yeah it's amazing though like you could still do that and it would still be so much more acceptable than I'd still love it anything you're doing with CG I don't care how good it looks yeah because there's like a heart to it you know you can tell you just intuitively know how much work went into something like that and it's just so charming. I don't know what else to say about it. It's awesome. It started and it kind of ended with it. It kind of bookended all the action with two really great stop motion type effects. And I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Terrific. Mark, how about you? What else did you do right? Was Zsa Zsa Gabor's casting was great. Uh, really top notch. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess to, to kind of align with what you guys are saying and also to bring back last week's podcast. These movies that are about like kill like way over killing, just murdering the living shit out of someone, only work if you come at it with a tongue in cheek, slightly silly tone to it. And that movie this movie obviously I mean this whole franchise does that really well. This movie especially nails that tone on the head. Yeah, but what I'm getting at here is the kills are what it does right. You touched on them a little bit with the effects, but you have some like really creative fun dream related murderings that happen yeah you know i I actually so i already said that the the attack on the bad girl whatever her arm sores are pretty creepy but like the the faucet knife hands at the beginning dude those things are are awesome awesome. yeah that is such a even like the implementation is cool too but even from like it would be really fun to sit around and just come up with concepts of how dreams can kill you yeah no for sure do you guys want to run through a list of the of the murderings? I don't have a list up, and I can't remember them, but I'm happy to go <laughs> along with you if you do. <laughs> Kick so it off, the, Mark. There's the giant worm monster uh, that eats. I the- love the. I love Snake Freddy. It's so just grotesque. That's not a murdering, though. It's not, but it's a it's a Freddy effect. And it okay, so we're gonna go through Freddy effects then. Fre- well, I have it on my <laughs> list as Freddy things, so it's it's very broad. Uh. We already talked about the puppet, the marionette thing. Yeah, uh, we My haven't favorite. really actually mentioned what happens with uh, whatever the hell her name was, Jennifer, Jennifer, the TV thing. It's so quick. I think that one of the things the movie is not necessarily to its detriment, but particularly with the Philip kill and the marionette scene, that takes so fucking long that after that, every kill happens so quickly by comparison that it's like I remember watching this, and the TV scene is the one that stands out to me. But it's kind of bang bang in execution. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden she kind of dozes off and it does the Nightmare on Elm Street thing where it's you can tell she's now in the dream world, but she never really was at a point where you could see her being asleep. And sure. there's the Freddy killing on screen, and then fucking she's dead because she walks up to the screen it, like an idiot. It does deliver us to of Freddy's best lines in the movie though back to back right yeah, first for sure. he says who gives a fuck what you think it's so good and <laughs> then he says welcome to primetime bitch it's amazing <laughs> who gives a fuck what you think <laughs> <laughs> that one's better but it's like a little bit more subdued because it's not happening like right in your face you have to kind of like go through multiple walls to it to get there well, yeah and one of the best yeah. things about it that they don't really do with any of the other ones is they show the girl after she's been killed and she's just like hanging out half inside the television. Yeah. <laughs> well, Freddy's head also is this this is the same time where Freddy's head pops out of the top of the TV, right? Yeah. And like kind of covered yeah. in plastic at first with the antennas on it. Yeah. Antennae, I suppose. No, it's antennas. Antennae oh. is only is only for biological. 
Terms. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Learn something new every day. Yeah. This is the still when they know. think it's a suicide, Sorry. though. So try to imagine Jennifer committing suicide that way. Like, just running <laughs> full head of steam at a TV and jumping. Jumping into a TV. <laughs> like, I mean, they imagine? had to have some, like, CCTV footage of it. Oh, God, it'd be so good. <laughs> All right, Mark, what's what's next? What's the next kill? Uh, so the next one's not a really a kill, but it's the attack on um, the mute kid, whatever the hell his name was, uh, where he gets... So Joey. mute kid gets tied with tongues to a bed, and he's like, ah, tongue-tied. Oh, you get it? Hey. There's a lot of puns in this movie. <laughs> he gets tongue-tied by, by a nude nurse. Almost nude. She's wearing a thong. Yeah. 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 Uh... What what was uh, Black Bolt's actual name? Leader of the Inhumans. I was gonna call him that, but I couldn't remember what Black Bolt's not superhero name was. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> this kid is pretty much Black Bolt. Uh, the next one on my list is. <laughs> I, I actually can't remember what this one was. I just I wrote down right. let's call it bedhead. You're probably like commenting is... you're probably commenting on the Mohawk. No, because that's oh. the next one. It's it's what happens immediately before that. I think it's what happens to um the main to Patricia Arquette's character when she first gets sucked in. Right, she's back in her bed and it's it's like the very beginning of the movie and she's going to sleep and she thinks the whole thing was a nightmare and then Freddie like pops out of her bed. And she, that's when she first does all the kung fu f- kung fu flips. <laughs> yeah, the kung fu flips. <laughs> they, they, they all. Uh, and then, I mean, there's that. Basically, the entire end of the movie is one long stream of Freddy doing various things. Uh, but the other notable thing is that he possesses a skeleton. Yeah, which if he was able to do this, it's. This, the rules of this movie are baffling. Why is this the first time? If if okay, I'm, this confuses me on many levels. Number one, most of the time when you have a spirit, an unrest, an, an unrestful spirit that you need to put to rest, right? The spirit is is happy when you when you get it where it needs to be, when you bury it or, or solve its problems, and and the problems go away. But Freddy seems to be at not at rest, but also not wanting to be. No, like, he's having you, too I'm much just... fun killing kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just dad. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, paging Dr. Sigmund Freud. <laughs> Can you just really Why quickly you tell just me call that you're... me dad? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I meant to say dude, but really quick, could you just uh could you just could you just tell me that you're proud of me? <laughs> No reason. Unrelated. Unrelated. I forgot where we're at. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm confused that... You can't be confused most... by that. I will not allow that confusion. Okay. But just because he's happy? Like, that's what he likes to do? Yeah, doing? it's like these parents mobbing and killing him has only made him better at what he wanted to do anyway. Okay. Then if Jokes it's something he likes and he's cognizant that if he gets put to rest, he will go away. Yep. Maybe. Why... And he can possess his skeleton. Why not possess it and walk it around to somewhere way harder to find that nowhere knows where he is? Because he can only do it when he's in a junkyard. Clearly. Put it somewhere else in the junkyard. All you have to do is move it ten feet in the junkyard, and the alcoholic cop doesn't know where he is. 
He's not a cop. Mm. He's a security guard. Is that true? Yeah. Mm. Oh. That's like part of the whole thing. He's like falling on hard times. He's no longer a cop. He's oh, been demoted to he, security guard dumb. I thought you were saying he wasn't a cop in the original. He I'm was. The original. I know. Well, he wasn't as drunk in the original. That was the mom. <laughs> but now she's dead, and he's drunk, and he's security guard. He took guard. up the mantle of drinking. The, the drunken power is transferred to Someone him. has to. Yeah. I did, uh, I am just going to note real quick, in the background of the alley scene where Taryn, or whatever the hell her name was, was killed, uh, the bar is called Jake's Bar. Yeah, that's nice. true. Nice. So, I love that bar scene so much, because it's just, different what are bar all scene. the tropes <laughs> that you can- That was a terrible transition by I, you. I'm talking about the real bar scene, the one that actually happens <laughs> Yeah, I know, bar. but you just transitioned- Bam. Our listeners better than my usual are transitions. in a world of confusion right now. Oh, they've okay. left. It's better than my usual transitions. Yeah, they probably did leave. <laughs> they were offended by our comments about the 1920s. Mustaches. I mean, that's just what the have 1920s changed. were like. Would you like to talk about the bar scene, the actual real world bar scene? For no, one he just wanted to, to say, let me talk about the bar scene. No, I would funny. like to he actually talk about it. You just won't fucking let me. I'm specifically asking you to. What did no, it do you, right, you Jack? will. Thanks, what buddy. What did it do right? Appreciate it. What did it do right? This scene has the feeling of just six writers in a room. What are all the things you can think about dive bars? They're poorly lit. They're playing the blues. They're smoke-filled. A guy has three vodka shots lined up in front of him for, for even drinking over the course of, of, I don't know how long. 11 minutes. Was there even darts? Though there should have not... been darts. I didn't notice. There was a, a, a there was a pinball machine in the background of one of the shots. I didn't see any darts hmm. uh, or billiards, as Jake would say. But I still just love how much they were just. Let's cram all the dive bar tropes into this one shot. All of them. Yeah, I mean, dive bar tropes are dive bar tropes because that's what dive bars are like. Yeah, I was gonna say it seems like a lot of bars <laughs> I've been to in my life. <laughs> I know. I love it. Oh, I don't okay. feel like it's that unachievable. In fact, I feel like I've seen that in a bunch of other movies. It's not hard to impress or make Jack happy. I just <laughs> It's I actually liked it. it's extremely hard to make Jack happy. <laughs> Is it? Oh, he needs three know. shots he, of he, vodka and some blues. He never told me that he was proud of me. <laughs> so, it's been pretty hard. <laughs> what else does this movie do, right? I'm ready to move we on. We covered to the most other one. of it. Oh, Mark's ready to talk about what it does wrong. Yeah, me too. Okay, go. The acting is is rough. Is it? Uh, I I'm actually willing. I mean, I agree with you from an objective standpoint. The acting's not good. I disagree. But uh, I don't think it's needing to be like I, as much as as much as it's true. I don't feel like it's a detractor from the movie as a whole. the The thing about bad acting is there's there's different kinds of bad acting, and this movie has a couple different kinds of bad acting going on at the same time. It's kind of similar to Scream in that way, in that, yes, this is a, a in some ways, a, a B-movie where you're watching it because it's absurd and, and campy and fun, but some some of the acting plays with that well, right? The way that it's bad is, is overacting and, and overexpression of certain things, which is fun, but some of it is just stilted and hard to watch and doesn't contribute to the funness of the overall movie. So I think there's different kinds of bad acting, and this one has... Several the, of them. The bad kind and, of bad acting? Exactly, yeah. And the fact that there are different kinds of bad acting on screen at the same time is is what makes it hard to watch. Like, there's you're, lo- you're losing the synergistic effects of the bad acting. 
Exactly. Uh, yeah. I see. We should write a whole thesis paper on this. We uh, should. I think you guys actually both mentioned this as things that this movie did right, but the uh, the Jason and the Argonauts-esque skeleton fight is highly regrettable. You're an idiot. What the fuck are you talking <laughs> I about? love it. I no. You don't like stop motion? There's there's a line. <laughs> not only does it not make sense within the canon of the film, as Jack already mentioned, Bullshit. but also it makes perfect sense. No, I agree with Mark. It makes no, no you, fucking sense. It makes sense. no there's sense whatsoever, but also mo- it looks It makes terrible. sense. How does it not make sense? He, because he is he's past. He's not a ghost. He he just he is a force of your nightmares. He can't be pulled into reality except by people who have very specific powers. He doesn't exist in reality and just chooses not to inhabit his bones. For some reason. <laughs> For some reason. Yeah, it's infuriating. But I, I, I disagree with you. I think it looks fucking awesome. I love the Jason and the Argonauts effect. Maybe mm-hmm. it's because I was born after this movie came out and I'm, I'm looking back on it after some number of years. I don't know. I, yeah. You cannot the other thing do is, that poorly. Just in general, I, maybe maybe it could have been done a little bit better, but just in general, possessed skeletons are one of the most like wildly unscary things out there. There is no connective tissue. I guess right. they're moving, so there's some type of force there. But like, couldn't you just like hit them anywhere and have them basically explode into bone dust? Most of the reason I'm scared of skeletons is because long-ranged physical attacks and heroes of might and magic couldn't hurt them very well, and that was most of my armies. Well, and yeah, Dark Souls 2 had quite a few skeletons that jumped out at you. Dark Souls 1 had quite a few skeletons that jump out at you. They're like pillars of skeletons. That's not a reference I understand, Mark. If you could keep it to uh, PC games from the mid to late 90s, I'd be I'd be on board with you. I, yep, no. You got it. I'll, I'll, you be Jack Spratt. I'll be the wife. <laughs> together we'll leave the platter clean. I don't know what Jake is in this analogy. He's just the sourpuss in the background. He, I guess he like cleans the plate. He's like Dino, the dinosaur. Everybody do the dinosaur. Jake. <laughs> boom, boom. Akalakalaka, boom, boom, boom. Akalaka, boom, boom. I'm just going to let Jack continue it's, doing it's, that. It's everybody walk the dinosaur first, Mark. First. <laughs> No, I'm not Important letting you do way. another mashup, Jack. <laughs> it's not another mashup. It's the same mashup. Um, I don't, I don't love how this movie's paced. Uh, I think in... I already kind of mentioned this. Um, I think over the overall arc is okay, but there's something about the way this movie is totally reliant on its kills. Right? We can all agree yes. on that. And I already mentioned it, but there's something about the way in which the kills happen. That leaves me wanting more. Like, the first kill is great. We can all agree on that. It takes a while. And then after that, it's kind of like bang, bang, bang. And by the time you finally get to, like, let's go kick that motherfucker's ass all over Dreamland, and they go in there, it's like kind of a lame death for for Taryn or whatever her name is, a super lame death for Will. And they just, he offs them, like, immediately. It's like five seconds a pop. Like, yeah. Why did they spend so of, little time on these when they could have done so much more? It's so also this is sort a, of inconsistent on who gets away. Like, yes. Main chick gets away and she's fine, but then the other two are like sort of attacked and they're dead. This is also a, a much larger problem I have with this movie overall, which is that for a movie called Dream Warriors, 
There's the Dream Warriors war. are completely ineffectual. Yeah. They go there, get beaten up on by Freddy, yep. exhibit some dream powers, and then just kind of wait until his bones get buried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they were they were all going to get him. their asses kicked. Like he, they were losing so badly. He'd, he'd killed two, three of them. He'd killed two of the Dream Warriors and Nancy. Yeah, they were yeah. all going to die. He was beating yeah. the shit out of what's his name until okay. Holy Water got thrown upon him. Yeah, in the real there world. was very so, little Dream Warrior dumb. It was like I guess they were brave, if, which that's that's it, cool. But they're really more like these are. Dream citizens or like dream denizens, <laughs> but they found their are, powers. They're dream featured extras, I guess. <laughs> I'm a featured extra. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is a very good point, and it, it gets to one of the other things I was going to say, which is exactly that. They're, oh, yeah. good. One of the other <laughs> things is exactly that. <laughs> yep, covered but my point. Really, that's I don't have too much more. The movie does wrong. Uh, I agree with you, Jake, that the pacing is rough. The first big chunk of the movie has very little going on except for raw exposition. And, and I don't Larry think it develops Fisher. a whole lot. Like, I didn't need to know, or I didn't need as much time spent telling me about what's going on at this clinic. And 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 the more time it spends telling you what's going on, the more confusing it is when it seemingly has all these rules it's I guess breaking I just didn't need it. as much of the like Neil Gordon doctor guy versus Nancy right story arc well like, I didn't so care they were enough. originally supposed to be like in love well that Surprise. didn't work and, and he's like 50 banging. years older and how's that work well they were supposed to be banging originally yeah she's a woman in a horror movie script from the 1980s therefore she has to have a lump love interest by definition no, I think it's lump interest. She has to have a lump interest. <laughs> uh, I have a two-part question that ties into what this movie may or may not do wrong. Okay. Uh, since we were just sort of talking about it, how do you guys feel about the like the level of exposition coming from the nun? Not really exposition, uh, just the backstory via ghost nun saying the backstory. Bad. I I think I said I don't like that. This that kind of makes it a weirdly religious movie for no fucking reason. Just I although the bastard son of a hundred maniacs is awesome. I feel like that is the entire purpose for having that storyline in there. Someone they came wrote up that, with that line and then reverse engineered how to work that line into the movie. Yeah, yeah that's exactly how that happened. Okay, and I'm kind of okay with it. Second part of the question, um. How do you feel about the relationship that they shoehorn in between Nancy and her dad? Well, Jack loves that. He clearly told you that. Again, I, I get everything I need to know about her dad from the from the most stereotypical scene. That's it's ama- I'm into it. You've said nothing aside from the fact that he's a heavy drinker and you like the bar he's in. But no, no. What about okay? About so, it. so talk to me more specifically about when he's dying and Freddy Krueger impersonates him in the dream, but it's clearly meant to be like his. The, the father saying goodbye. Oh, that's that's boring as shit, right? What he's clearly. <laughs> I like yes. what I like about the stereotypical bar scene is they just went to no efforts to distinguish that in any way from any dive bar that would get written in a movie, which you kind of alluded to, and you've seen this before. His character in that scene is in exactly zero ways different from any other hard drinking absentee father who's just there to tell you to go fuck off and then she leaves and and it's neil that has to convince him to do anything 
And then, I don't know, the, the end of it is just, it's it's forced, but that it works for me because of how it would work in dreams, right? It's, it's your dream. It's what you want to happen. And she wants to reunite with her father and have that relationship come back, so it she's willing to believe it. But I, I think it's it's not a particularly well-written or acted scene. It just happens to work all right within the concept. I, I think, think it's part- schmaltzy and tone-breaking is what I think. Yeah, I think part of the problem for me is with both of those questions. I agree with the first one for the most part. But I'll, the father thing kind of plays into the whole there's too much exposition happening here. This movie has too much, I don't know, emotive quality, <laughs> like too much of an emotive quality for like what it really should be in my, and it's more my yes. remembrance of the movie. I remember, I look back on this movie as being kind of the fun, badass, docking filled romp. What and is this Dawkins word you keep using? I'm confused by the joke. I hope it was that you were making. I I don't get it. What's who's Dawkins? Dawkins is a, a heavy metal band. They're not. They're like a hair metal band. They're like a very light, girly oh. metal band. Early, early. Okay, Dawkins is an early heavy metal band, hair metal band, whatever you want to call it. Who wrote the theme song to this movie? Dream Warriors. Called Dream oh. Warriors by Mark Dawkins. You have sang that song before. I, Mark, you I have sing gone. a lot of songs. I don't know what any, who any does any Mark, of them. Mark, when we we've referenced Dream Warriors before in the past. In fact, last episode when Jake said next week we're watching Dream Warriors, you went Dream Warriors because yeah. of the Dawkins song in which they say that. That's a that's a pop culture osmosis thing. I've never heard that term before in my life, aside from twice. So essentially, this I think you just did that because Genius McGee of the Nightmare Junkhead podcast did that a whole bunch. Yeah, probably. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm sad. So a little bit of cross pollination. Wow. So are did you? You took okay. me way off my point that I was trying to I, make. Yeah, but, but now but, we're on a new point. Uh, <laughs> move past it. Jake, finish. Okay, finish your point. No, I was just saying there we, we was. I remember it being fun and Dockany and and Dream Warriory, and there is a lot happening here that isn't that specific part of what this movie is as a whole. Sure, absolutely, I I agree with that. Um, I obviously I can't agree with you about my prior feelings on the film because I hadn't seen it before, but I can agree with you about what I. But you. You know what this like, is referenced right. what as was... being in pop culture. Exactly. Yeah. Now, a lot of that's probably from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that's a little bit, uh, you know, whatever. But now we need to berate Mark about Dawkins some more. I, Mark, I really? don't get it. That's... I, so when I asked who Dawkins was and you came at me aghast, uh, it's I Dawkin. felt like I had probably missed something significant. Yeah. And then you told me what the answer was, and now I have absolutely zero regrets. Well, There's... that's too bad for you, Mark. I mean, uh, um, I don't know. What if I had, if, if 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 it were if it were the crew that had done this, if you had a Motley Crew song, would you have felt the same way? Well, the crew are a much more, or the Stew, if you've seen Hot Tub Time Machine, uh, are a much more well-known mm. band. I don't think they, they are. They are. Motley Crue is so much more well-known. I'm just saying they're like of a similar ilk. There are a lot of things of the same ilk that I've never heard of. <laughs> Great. Well, Dawkins heard of one like of them. You should have heard of Dawkins, okay? You, you cannot not have heard of Dawkins. That's... 
I, I'm That's just really wrong. confused about you having multiple times before on the podcast saying Dream Warriors by Dokken and being unaware that that's a song. Oh, I was aware that it was a song. Th- well, there that's you not go. what we're arguing about. I was oh. arguing about whether or not I knew who did the song. Mark, okay. I, I also couldn't tell you who did the theme song to the uh, Monster Squad. I have no idea who did that, but I certainly know that song exists. But it's not Dokken. You yeah, you could tell well, us who did know the theme much. song to Pet Cemetery, even though it wasn't featured in that particular movie. Uh, I do know that that's the Ramones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Ramones are a, like a band. They're an actual. Dokken is close to as relevant as the Ramones. <laughs> no. Okay, it, th- I'm glad we're getting somewhere with this. <laughs> I am not gonna lie to you. Like in high school, I guarantee you that at least one workout session happened when this song was on. Oh, yeah. It's a great song. I actually do really like the song. <laughs> I'm not lying. <laughs> I, I'm, Let's... again, I'm fine with the song. The song is great. Was unaware of the band's name. Do you want to put it on the list, Mark? <laughs> well, yeah, I've never heard of it. Fucking Maybe asshole. I would have heard of it if you were to put it on there and stop being such a music snob, you music snob. That is... The most inside joke we have ever made on this podcast, which is saying something. <laughs> it's fine. The listener understands. <laughs> Actually, one of them probably will. But regardless of that. That's like uh, 20% of our listening audience right there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Steve. I'm, I'm looking at my notes here, and I have two notes we haven't addressed yet. I don't think they need to be addressed, but I, I think it's relevant. Good. Solid. One. <laughs> Needle fingers. We didn't talk enough about. We did. I think it's a pretty good transition to his 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 syringe. Fingers. I didn't like the kill. Like, you specifically. Like we've kill. talked about this at length. The kill is great. The needle fingers look stupid, but the arm sores look awesome. Next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I the last like note I have on here that we haven't addressed yet is where's the fucking bourbon? When when he's he's playing yeah. the the yeah. abusive man that her mom has brought home yeah. for the last time. And he, like, takes her head off. Down. Where's the fucking bourbon? And then he cuts her head off. That's so good. You uh, ruin everything. Yeah. Oh, I want to go back to the to the needle fingers for a second. Why are the drugs... Oh, good! We're fucking <laughs> done talking about that, are we? Why, why are the drugs blue? Like, they're an electric blue color. Because it's science. You gotta... They gotta be something. Yeah. Is that what heroin is that, like? is that seriously a question? It's the 80s, dude. <laughs> Mark, Mark. When I worked in a production lab, we had to film a commercial for to sell our products in Japan, and I was told just fill up a whole bunch of beakers with water and food coloring and pour them into each other, and that's and, and they'll add laser sound effects later. Don't and I'm not making. I wish I was making an offensive joke about they'll add laser sound effects later, but that's literally what I was told. Uh, Jack, if you could go ahead and find that video for us, that would be really great. I think I can. I might have a copy of it. Well, hop two. All right. In the links at the bottom of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find a random commercial for a makeup company? We did skincare products, a none of which company. were makeup. Yeah. Okay. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> Ratings! They do, they do give a fuck that Mark didn't know about Dawkins, speaking of which.
We over at A to Z Horror use a 1 through 10 rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think of how Detective Greenlee would rate how far you're going. He ain't going nowhere. He's going fucking nowhere. Where you going? Nowhere. And for 10, think of how Kanye would rate Beyonce's video. I, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. Story. First category to rate these movies. This was my pick. I'm going to rate it for story. Yeah. And I'm going to rate it a four for story. Okay. This movie is leaning heavily on the already established mythos of Freddy Krueger and the Nightmare on Elm Street. It's it's not... It's clearly using that, and it's not adding much to it. All it is doing to it is confusing the shit out of it by apparently Freddy can possess his own bones and come into the real world whenever he wants. It's It's baffling. So it's... It does have a story in that the narrative narrative progresses forward, uh, which is better than a lot of movies we watch. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not doing anything great. It's certainly below average. I think that when you're watching the movie, the story isn't infuriating in terms of it moves forward all right and it, it scene to scene it, it works pretty well. But but overall, all it's doing is is just shitting on a otherwise well written premise. Hmm. Mark, how about you? Story. I went lower. I gave it a three. Just like you said, the only story that's here has already been established by the previous movies, or maybe just movie. Um, Most of the rules that were standing are broken logically. And like we touched on with what the movie does wrong, like the whole point of this movie is to create a squad of dream warriors. And what happens is the dream (laughs) warriors get their asses kicked. And instead of having the correct ending, which would have been the... None of them individually can beat Freddy, but all of them together are able to... Using their powers can summon Captain Planet. Yeah, exactly. I want Captain Planet in this motherfucker, not wait until the guy in the outside world fights off the skeleton and drops some liquid on him. Well, well, he's a hero. But he doesn't wear a cape. I don't know. He's not not wearing a cape. No, but he is going to take pollution down to zero. Hmm. Oh, oh, oh. I thought we were talking about the, the... Doctor guy in the outside. Yeah. No, yeah. I was no, talking Captain about Captain Planet, Planet. Is inarguably He's a hero. the greatest hero of our time. Jake, story. <laughs> I went higher. I went with a five. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I know. We had the wagon circle here, boys. Uh, I. This is the third movie in a series. Uh, I don't think that it does a whole lot to add what was already there. But what I will say is that this does bring in, in particular, we haven't touched on it a whole lot one of the key Freddy elements that persists throughout the rest of the series, which is he gains his power physically by internalizing the souls, of the kids he's killing in his chest. Sure. And that's sure. a pretty important plot point. Uh, outside of that, is there it? are a few things that I, I, for the, for the purpose of this series moving forward, it is extremely important. It is a the faces on his chest are clearly adults though. <laughs> They're like these kids. They're like 20 some things playing teens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not Sean William Scott. <laughs> yeah, Billy's was, just on there. He, he for was some. like the youngest. Inarguably in the movie. oldest actor in <laughs> Final Destination. The I think I thing... called it Scream earlier, by the way. I think I said we watched Scream last week. We didn't. We watched Final Destination. Jesus I don't think, Christ. I don't think you said that. Jake, continue your thought. I wasn't even halfway. <laughs> the only other thing that I wanted to call out there... Um, Mark, as you kind of mentioned, like the purpose of this movie is to create the dream warriors and then they get their asses kicked and that's like a detriment to the story. 
we did harp on that, and I do agree with you for the most part, but isn't it kind of funny, like, when you think of a nightmare on Elm Street, the whole point is Freddy, and you cheer for him to a certain extent. You don't give a fuck about these kids. It's kind of great that it like builds them up as gonna, they're going to be the Dream Warriors, and then they just get their asses beat into the ground. It's kind of you amazing. Know what? That's pretty fair, and given Wes Craven and his yeah. depravity, that might have been the whole point. Yeah, Actually, it's like, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, yeah uh, docking Dream Warriors, and then he's like, uh-uh, bitch, bam, just annihilates <laughs> i kind of like that i think this ultimately yeah. is a middle of the road type thing so i'm giving it a middle right. of the road type score i'll buy that dick world building and immersion is our second category and you know to, to piggyback <laughs> onto your middle of the road score you know. i gave it a five for yeah. world building and immersion um this movie's in a weird place where I'm so enthralled when the kills are happening and when stuff's going on. The practical effects are great, and I'm, I'm sucked all the way in. But then I'm taken out during almost every single interstitial scene. Whether it's interstitial scene, that's hard to say. Thank you. Whether it's Larry Fishburne parading around the halls on a gurney or the the, the varying was levels he, of bad acting I spoke about earlier. Was he nominated for an Oscar for this film? Should have been. Should have been. Wasn't, though, is what I'm getting from that. I mean, I I, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> let's get our I, let's get our intern to check on that. <laughs> That's why we need a producer. Yeah. Uh, but the, the acting in the story, you, you broke it, Jake. <laughs> yeah. Jake has his head down again. <laughs> uh, I can't, I, fuck, I gave it a five. Mark, what did you give it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm sort of willfully um, ignoring the world building part of this. With these movies that are just sort of like, <clears throat> basically like they're jumping between comedic murderings. You know, you're you're sucked in for just the spectacle of what's happening. I, I get what you're saying about the interstitial stuff. And there is a lot of like random bullshit hypnosil on a CRT screen and like some of these stupid hypnotherapy sessions and whatever. But this movie did create the concept of hypnosil, a dream suppressant. There's no I in hypnosil, at least not where you think. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that's totally forgivable because 90 straight minutes of jumping from one murder to the next would be a little bit grueling after a while. So nope. I, I'm sure it could happen. I just think it would be a little bit intense. Um, so in any case, I, I generally lean, I, I'm forgiving the transgressions of the story because I kind of already hit it for that. And I'm just saying, this is a fun movie to watch just for the sake of watching crazy shit happen in Claymation. Yeah. I gave it a six, so, if you didn't hear Oh, that. okay. I didn't. I wasn't well, I listening said to you. I know. Jake? Uh, I'm also going to give it a six. I agree pretty much with, I agree with Mark almost exactly. I don't even have much to add to that. I I think that he undersold like the world building part of that a little bit because to me, it does build an awesome world like all the movies in this series do. And that world is the dream world side of things. When you're in the natural world and in this movie, it's that clinic. That part's pretty fucking boring, but the balls to the wallness and the how well realized the dream side of things are is a huge boon for it. And I think that pulls it up to a slightly higher than average score, but not by a whole lot. All right. I like that. Which uh, leads us into scare factor, our third category. Oh uh, yeah. 
and I'm going to give it a six for the scare factor. Mm. I Bold. I think that this has the positive aspects of the scariness of the first movie, which is that the the concept, right? That in in your dreams, fuck, there's nothing you can fucking do. Now this eliminates <laughs> a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly illustrates the diversity of the word. Um, that's a bad Irish accent. Yeah, it was that's terrible. Fun. Don't fucking worry about it. I'm not. We talked about the burn. Boondock Saints earlier, and that's what I'm thinking about. Um, I lost my train of thought. Unsurprising. <laughs> it's your fault. It's your <laughs> fucking fault. This loses some of the quality of the first movie in terms of scare factor in that you can apparently just throw holy water on his bones in the real world because that provides me with something I can grab onto to, to take action you towards, can't, which is less scary. Um, you have to fight off a skeleton first. You can't, though. Yeah, I have no problem with that, unless this is Heroes of Might and Magic 1, 2, or 3. Um, yeah, all you gotta do is use ranged physical damage against them. No, the exact opposite. Mark the exact opposite. Oh, no, close quarters magic? <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm so bad at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Some of the scenes in this movie were legitimately scary. The 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 marionette tendon scene made me squirm. Yeah, Freddy slicing him open from shoulder to forearm, and then all the way down his legs, and ripping out the tendons to pull you along. That's freaky shit. That's scary. Mark, like you said, the eyes in Punk Rocker's arms were were freaky a little bit, and just some of the kills in this work, and they work well. And that it's it's above average. It's a six. Mark go i am inclined to agree with you six is what i gave final destination which is a very similar movie when you think about it it's just a parade of it's a cavalcade of comedic catastrophes uh this one seems a little bit sillier but i i don't know if i can really penalize it for that and you made some good points i I, that tendency is very little and i yep we already talked about the needle scene Six is a good score. I'm going with six. Hmm. Nice. I'll go slightly lower on this one. Same reasons, but I guess it just didn't affect me quite as much. And there's some inherent silliness, which obviously takes it away. Kind of like you guys had at least touched on. I'll go with a five. Sure. Uh, Effects or judicious lack thereof is our penultimate category. And I'm giving it an eight. This movie lives and dies by by its effects. I think it does a tremendous job. Uh, Mark, I think you're going to give it a lower score because you don't like the Jason and the Argonaut style stop motion claymation. I maybe it's because this is an, like an old movie and I'm giving credit for it, but I, I just love it. Everything about old. this movie that the fact that all of it's practical and that's just rolled right in is terrific. I think the the two generated effects scenes are are the 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 antennas. Mark, on top of Freddy's head, look look pretty fake, at least in the version I saw when he comes out of the TV, even though the the bursting through the TV looked looked practical. And then the... I don't think that was... Jet, like, what do you mean by generated, though? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was just some, a practical effect that they stuck to his head. I don't think it was a practical... I think it was some... Or, or maybe touched up in post. I don't know. Some kind of post effect is what it looked like to me. I don't know. Mm. It didn't... It didn't ring true to me, um, but that a man and the... sprouting out of a television set did not ring true to Jack. Yeah. Okay. Good. Great. Count it. Great. 
<laughs> that and the melding into mirrors scene looked uh, kind of poor. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, I think they do a tremendous job. I think that the sound in this movie is a little bit weird because some scenes are back-ended by like screams and, and horrible sound effects, whereas others are back-ended by docking. And it seems to be kind of indiscriminate when it's having quiet heavy metal in the background versus quiet scary sound effects so that's a little bit strange i didn't understand all the choices there but but i think it's not enough to take too much away from it and it's an eight mark uh yeah i like the score eight i'm gonna subtract 0.75 for the skeleton scene and i'm gonna subtract 0.25 for the scene where he cuts the marionettes tendons and they like super that scene they superimpose a frame of Robert England over like the frame of the hospital when he's playing and then they God. make his fingers glow for some yeah, reason. Yeah, mm, not the best. Seven. Agreed. Fair. Agreed. Jake. Um, I agree with Jack. I think everything is great. The practical effects are really well done. We've touched on them in nauseum during this podcast, and I'm going to give it a bit of an extra tilt for having Doc, and I'm going to give it a nine. Wow. All right. Damn. I like it. I mean, what so, are you really taking away from? Like, what did it... I, I The the qualm with the Freddy over the background, it, that's like the only one for me. And I, for, I, I add to I that... Can't, the, I can't fathom how you guys think that the claymation skeleton is a good effect. It looks great. I like it. I like it. I, I take away from it a little bit for the antennas and for the mirror scene. The so, mirror scene also is a very Interestingly enough, though, um, you mentioned earlier, like, so... I'm going to go IMDb trivia on you with this one just a little bit. Uh, I'm going right. to, I'm straight reading right now. Okay. <laughs> Director who is Chuck Russell stated in an interview that the mirror sequence is very difficult to do. He said that it was before CGI CGI. So they had to do really inventive things and they were literally manipulating mylar in front of the camera to get the shot done. That's pretty cool. So they did what they could. Sure. It might not look great, but I have to get on the record. It was not CG. Do but but it ultimately, it comes down to product as well. Not just innovation, but product, I know. right? I know. Bob O'Reilly's so awesome because Pete Townsend figured out how to cut up and use all the fucking crazy shit to do what he did and produced Bob O'Reilly. I agree with that. If it sounded like extent. shit at the end of it, it wouldn't be Bob O'Reilly. I, I think the name of that song extent. is Teenage Wasteland. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you didn't know who Dawkins was. Say so what you Jake, were gonna say, Jake. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much done. I agree with that to an extent, but it kind of goes against your logic of agreeing with me and my love of stop motion because there are absolutely better ways to get something done now. But there is a you try harder and you work for this effect sort of thing, kind of so that's, nostalgic that's feel to a stop motion. It's different. Because I also I, think I guess, there's something that just looks good about stop motion. But I, I'm with you. That's that, and that's the inconsistency. Is the end result for me with the stop motion claymation is that I like the way it looks. Yeah. Whereas the end result for the mirror scene was that I did not enjoy the you way. You not like looked. how it looked. All right, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which leaves us with overall, and I'm gonna give this movie a seven overall. This was fun as shit. Um. Obviously, there's some rough parts watching it. Jake, you said the pacing is a little bit off. The acting's obviously a little bit off, and and it's confusing in terms of what canon of Freddy is and the rules it creates for itself, but none of that shit matters because you're here to watch Freddy turn people into marionettes and 
and and do all sorts of crazy shit. Turn into TVs, ask people where's the fucking bourbon, and cut women's heads off, and and then tie men to table, chair, beds. I got there eventually. I got to the furniture with tongues, and it's just awesome. All that stuff's fun as shit. This movie's a seven. Mark, go. I agree with you, but I'm going to give it a lower score. I, it, I, I get the concept, but it just didn't resonate with me. I, I still think it's better than average, but uh, just a just a hair. I went with five and a half. I mean, it, it's a better than average movie. I, I would watch it again, but I probably won't be seeking it out to watch again. Sure. Jake? Um, I think at the top of the episode, I said that I had remembered this movie as being on par that I liked it just as much as the original. Yeah. I gave the original a seven when we reviewed it. And I think by and large, like watching it this time for the purpose of a review, I found some faults with it, but the end result and the tilt that a movie gets when we end up doing this is what did it do? Well, and this one is going for fun and it delivers on that for the most part. So I think, Though my individual scores don't say seven, I still I still like this movie as much as the original. It's just very different in how it makes me feel and how I engage with it. So I'm going to stick with that score. I am also going to give it a seven. There you go. Well, all right. Which I think, Jake, means you and I have to tag team it does. why you should get drunk and watch this movie with your buddies. Luckily, it's not a hard argument. No. No. I'm screwed. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> When you are watching a movie with your buddies and drinking beers, you want something that is comment worthy and you want something that you don't have to be paying attention to at all times to get the most out of. This does both of those things. I think really this movie's well. arguably better if you're not paying attention to the scenes where he's not killing people. For sure. Yeah, most yeah. of that most of that stuff that happens in the clinic, you can leave it, especially if you've already seen it and you're you are thinking about reviewing it. I would highly encourage you to do so with people if the first time you'd seen it was not in that environment. Because yeah, it's just absolutely. it's just a movie that is going to be better when you can get a reaction with someone than if you're just kind of sitting there watching it on a screen by yourself. Yeah. I think you said reviewing and you meant revisiting. Revisiting. Um but yeah, just just yeah. Well. I, I totally agree. Your yeah. re- Mark re re hyphen viewing. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Words Mark, are hard. Why should you not drink beers with your friends and watch this movie? Well, I'm going to change my tack a little bit. You probably should do that, but I think that this is one of the only time that that's almost one of the only instances where you should go back and watch this movie. I, I don't know if this is a fun one to just revisit on your lonesome. This is a movie, like you said, you should go back and get drunk and watch with your buddies. But if you're just going to, like, get – you're just bored on, like, a Thursday evening, I'm, I'm not sure this is the right movie for that. That's, I think, about as good an argument as you were going to have. Yeah. Yeah. It was a low bar already, so, I mean, <laughs> I'm glad I could get over it. About time to get the fuck out of here? I yes. guess. We can't even form senses right. anymore, so we might as well. I haven't been able to form senses for a while. Yeah. Like years. <laughs> Either way, this has been episode 43 of the A to Z Horrorcast. Check out everything we have going on. Head on over to a to z horror.com or come hang out with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, the Horror Amino app, or even Reddit if you'd like. We're on there once a month. 
as Jack mentioned at the top of the episode, go check out the Phantom Podcast Network and all the great shows they have going on. You can find them at downrightcreepy.com slash phantom. And as always, the music this episode has been coming at you from space. That is space without the A. All those links are going to be down there in the description below. Just take a look. Next week, we're going to be changing gears pretty significantly, I think, but we are going to go with another blind spot. We're going with mine, and we're going to take a look at a movie from Sweden, I think it is. Let the right one in next week. That'll be coming at you. So until then, get your buddies, grab some beers, and go watch some more movies. Have a great week, everybody. Dokken is close to as relevant as the Ramones.